want to welcome all of you here. I guess it's this afternoon now, you know that? It's no longer morning. Afternoon. To our third, our third session, and I want to say to you, um, and those of you who have stayed through all three, or I'm going to bore you here, that the title of this series is It Happened Because of Prayer. And I want to highlight that it didn't happen because of me. It happened because of prayer. And that happens to be what I do, is pray. And I'm convinced that that's what all of us need to do. And so please keep that in your mind. Um, You have a power available to you that is even greater than my power. They're the power available to me, I should say. I'm convinced of that. That's why I share it with you, because you can take this to a whole new level. And that's what's needed. So we're going to do part three. Now, I am going to pull a fast one. And I'm going to pull a fast one on you because the union president did that this morning. Didn't he? He said, the sermon I was going to preach, I changed. (laughs) You were there, weren't you, this morning, everyone? Hello. And so I want you to know that God really impressed me. Was it yesterday or last night? I don't even remember. That I'm going to make a different presentation than is in your brochure that's called Spiritual Warfare Praying. But I'll guarantee you the content of this presentation will help you in the area of spiritual warfare. I'm going to apprise you to what's going on in the prayer movement, the Christian prayer movement, that is horrifying. And it is even made inroads in the Adventist church. So that's what we're going to do. And the title of it is, Do Not Enter. So, let's start with prayer, and then I'll get started. Father, I want to thank you for bringing us together, and I want to pray. I guess I want to thank you, Lord, because you've made it plain to me to make this presentation. For obviously, there are those here that need to hear this and be prepared so they will have understanding and know how to deal with it if it ever comes up. And God forbid that it would, Lord. So please help us now to this end, and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is my Wednesday morning prayer spot. I told the story in the second session, and now I have another story to tell. For those of you who are new, when I first got to paradise, My IT guy brought me up to the mountain on Sunday morning after my first church service, showed me where our antenna was that we um, have placed on the mountain for 3ABN to be brought to the whole valley of Las Vegas. And when I got up there, I saw this. And by the way, you're missing all to the south and west here and all to the north and east there. That's just what the camera could get. And so I stood there and I thought, this is where I have to come and pray. And I remembered that HMS Richards used to climb a mountain 
that overlooks Los Angeles and pray over that uh, over Los Angeles. Well, when I first started doing it, it was a really neat thing because, you know, it's a good idea and HMS Richards did it, but folks, when I, as I continued to do it, I fell in love with the valley. You know, when you pray about something and God just builds your burden, and then I realized I've got to go up on that mountain every Wednesday. I've got to pray for this valley. You know, imagine that if I asked you what comes to your mind when you think of Las Vegas, you would say Sin City or what happens there stays there. You know, all the, the sayings that describe this place where Satan has an incredible hold. By the way, where you live, Satan has an incredible hold, okay? It's everywhere. But this one epitomizes it. And my heart is aching for the city and the people who are deceived there by Satan. And I prayed, Lord, we got to do something. And of course, you know that this first response was that now we're having citywide campaign with John Bradshaw and it is written. That's a direct answer to prayer. But let me tell you what else happened. And this will really astound you. While I was on that mountain, for some reason it came to my attention that there are teenagers on the strip who are being victimized every day by a pimp being prostituted. Now, every other church I've been to, and this is happening everywhere, as I already said, I have never thought about human trafficking. I've read some stuff. I've heard some stuff. Yes, as an Adventist minister, I am horrified. But as I was on this mountain, a burden began to grow in that area of which I had no attention or interest in it before. And I kept picturing these young girls. And by the way, the average age, 13. And one of my, the vice squad officers comes to my church. He has a case on his desk four months ago, 11-year-old, arrested for prostitution. And I sit up there and I go, Lord, what are we going to do to help these girls? who probably were previously sexually abused by a father, a grandfather, a nephew, an, an aunt, I mean an uncle, when they were a little child, feeling so hopeless and desperate that they would come to Las Vegas and then they would be preyed upon by, by these predators that can read situations. And the next thing you know, they're on the street and they can't get away. Lord, what are we going to do? And so every time I go up on Wednesday, and besides the evangelism, my heart was aching for these girls, and I thought, Lord, we've got to do something. And then my wife gets a job in Las Vegas, and I don't have the time to go into this. I wish I did, because it's just, it'll blow your mind. But she got a job that she is not qualified for, but she's always interested in, been interested in it, and she was hired to do the job. And because of that job, occasionally we go out socially to interact. And a man through her work came up to me because he heard me talking. 
and believe me, this is a secular session, secular setting about the, my burden for teen prostitutes. And he leans over to me and says, Peter, if you find something legitimate, let me know and I'll fund it. And I like know who this guy is. My heart starts pounding. I get up on the mountain. I said, Lord, what are we going to do? In fact, I can tell you when it happened. Because I'm up on the mountain and suddenly I thought, I need to text Dan Houghton. Dan Houghton's a friend of mine. Dan Houghton is, is an ASI officer. If there's anybody in the denomination that knows how to treat prostitutes or somebody who's dealing with prostitutes, he would know. And so I text him and he happened to be at that very moment at the GC session. So that gives you the date. And he was on the nominating committee, by the way, I found out. And he never even answered my text. I said, Dan, do you know anybody in ASI, anybody in our denomination that has experience in this? And I never got an answer. And then I heard of a lady that some of you may have read about or heard about in Las Vegas that used to be a hooker. And now she gave her heart to Christ. And she goes down on the strip and talks to the girls and tries to get them help. And I emailed her on three separate occasions trying to explain to her, I just want to help in any way I can. And I never got a response. And then I read an article of a newspaper reporter who had reported on that. And you know how they always give their email address. And you know how they always answer their emails because that enhances interest and connection with the newspaper. And I emailed him. I didn't get a response. And I'm going up there going, Lord, he said it to me again. Peter, if you find anything legitimate. I said, what are we going to do? you got to help me because I don't just want to give this to anybody. If they don't know Jesus Christ, how can they really help somebody? Do you understand that? Our holistic approach can heal them. Well, God's holistic approach, the understanding of the holistic approach. So I'm in my office and I get the mail and for some reason I opened a letter that I usually don't open. I take, remember I told you I'm not very administrative. I take the junk mail and throw it away. And I looked at this and I opened it up and it said, we are so-and-so in Las Vegas and we want to open this home and we wanted to just let you know we're doing it. If there's any way you can help us, let us know. And I took that and I thought, oh man. But I said, I don't know who these people are. And so I very administratively and organizationally took it and threw it away. And I go on the mountain, I said, Lord, what are we going to do? Finally, a couple weeks later, all of a sudden on the mountain, the Lord said to me, remember that letter? And I went that letter. But Lord, I didn't know who they were. But yeah, that letter, no one else will answer me. I didn't give it a text back from Dan. I thought, okay, I'm going to go back to my office. So I run back to my office after the prayers over on the mountain. And I look at my waste paper basket. And sure enough, my janitor doesn't understand my filing system. But I remembered living waters. So... I went on the internet, I put in Living Waters, and sure enough, up pops Living Waters Incorporated. And then I got a telephone number, I called them and said, are you the people that sent out the letter? Oh yes, we are. And I said, can I speak to your, uh, your CEO or what is it? Can I speak to your boss, what is it? Director, Director thank you. 
And then I said, hey, I'm a pastor in the valley and I have an interest in what you're doing. Can I come and talk to you? And she said, yes, we made an appointment. I came right down to see her. And this vivacious, young, energetic lady meets me at the door of her office and smiles a big smile and says, come on in. My name is Christina. Sit down here and tell me why you're here. And my youth minister was with me and we sat down and my heart is pounding. I'm thinking, Lord, please. And I got to find out who these people are, what they stand for, what they believe in. And so I said, well, I'm, I'm just here to talk to you because I might have somebody who can help you. And she said, okay, I come from Detroit and, and I have my uh, master's degree. I'm a, uh, a licensed psychotherapist and my in my order and my uh, focus is on sexual trauma and we want to open this home and she and I'm going wait a minute we need to pray first and I'm waiting for her to get done and then she stops and looks at me and she says can we pray first and I'm going yes (laughs) so she says a prayer then she gets up and starts again and she's talking and telling me and I'm asking her questions. I'm trying to figure out. I'm going to, you know, I need to know. I, finally, I said, you keep talking about your church and your pastor. I said, what church is it? She said, see, and that means everything to me. What church is it? She says, abundant life. And I go, abundant life. Abundant life. I said, we've got an abundant life church. Is your pastor Dr. Calvin Rock? She said, yes. You're a Seventh-day Adventist? She goes, yes. And I started to cry. And then she started to cry. And I said, I've got a donor for you. She said, you're kidding me. I said, no. And so I want you to meet Christina Sanford, who's a Seventh-day Adventist that goes to the the church in Las Vegas, Abundant Life, who was brought there by God providentially. It wasn't their choice to come here because she wanted to open up a practice for prostitutes. It happened because of prayer. Notice that God put the burden in my heart. I, hadn't, I knew nothing of human trafficking. But I'm on that mountain. It just came. And then Jenny gets the job that she's not supposed to get. And the guy whispers in my ear, and right now we have a cash offer on a piece of property that if it's accepted, we can start right now. It's called turnkey. But the property went into short sale. And so now the bank has it. And so we're praying, Lord, Will you have the bank accept our offer so we can get started? Now, I don't want anybody in here to say, well, that's him, but not me. And I want you to know that that is not true. I want you to know that it happened because of prayer. And now I want to share with you, do not enter. For there is a battle for your soul And I don't want you to enter here. Watch this. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Genesis. Genesis, the third chapter. 
And here's what I changed the sermon to. And maybe somebody will come up afterward and I'll find out why. Genesis, the very third, third chapter of the very first book. And I want you to notice what Satan said. And we're going to look first at the plantings of the garden. The plantings of the garden. Okay? And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit, and that it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now here are the plantings of the garden that are bearing fruit right here and right now. You shall not surely die, spiritualism. Your eyes will be open, Eastern religion. You shall be as God, new age. You will know good and evil, paganism. And the woman saw the tree was good for food, appetite, and pleasant to the eye, the mass media. And tree desired to make one wise, Jesuit. She took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband evangelism. And finally, he did eat. And I got number nine, emerging church, because it all implies that God is withholding something good from you. Okay, take a look at that list. In the garden were planted these seeds by Satan. And they are now bearing fruit right now in the Christian church. And by the way, I prepared for each one of you a bulletin, or a bulletin, an insert that has all this information, and I left it in Las Vegas. <laughs> I do have it on my computer, though. So let me introduce you to the emerging church concept. The emerging church concept, have any of you heard of Rob Bell? Okay. The emerging church concept is a Christian movement in which they are now saying that we used to be modern, but now we're postmodern. Now, don't ask me what modern means, because it doesn't matter. They're just saying we used to be that. But now we are postmodern, and it really doesn't matter what that means. Just understand that concept. Because they then say, therefore, Reaching the postmodern world requires us to radically reshape the church's what? Beliefs and practices to conform to postmodernism. In fact, if you will look, this is amazing. You want to do this? Do it. I went on my internet. I went, Lord, 
I need help with this presentation. So I put down a picture of postmodernism. Excuse me. A picture of the emerging church. Now, does that make sense to you? A picture of the emerging, the emerging church is a, is a movement. How can you get a picture of a movement? But I put that in my computer. So what did I come to? A website. A postmodern emerging church website that has all these posters. And look what this poster says. This poster says, we are the emerging church Christian movement, postmodernism. It's our world. Don't use it. It's our word, postmodern. Don't use it. Don't try to define it. And above all, don't label us with it, even if we apply it to ourselves. Okay, how do I do this in, in two seconds? I'm going to show you what they teach. And you go, you do what I said. Picture of the emerging church. And you'll get the website. And some of the posters are blasphemous, you guys. Blasphemous. Blasphemy. And so here's what they teach. And this is Rob Bell, by the way, in his cohorts. There's no absolute truth. Therefore, we cannot be dogmatic about our doctrine. We cannot be dogmatic about moral standards. Now, folks, let me, let me just take a sideline here real quick. Homosexuality is okay. It's just another way of life. And if you don't agree with that, then you're a condemning, judgmental Christian person that keeps the church from swelling in numbers, and we are better off without you. And I want you to know that my Bible teaches that if you lie, you're not going to heaven. It also teaches if you're practicing homosexual, homosexuality, you're not going to heaven. So a liar is kept out, and so is a homosexual. There's nothing special or particular about homosexuality. It's just a different sin. But to practice either one, you're kept out of heaven. Don't tell us that. We're postmodern now. And this offends other people. There are many paths to God. Number three, the emerging church movement. Dogmatic preaching must give way to a dialogue between people of all beliefs. Do you have a preacher in your Adventist church that stands up and gives you goggly goop every Sabbath instead of talking about sin and judgment coming in a loving way? By the way, we've been guilty of that. We've been guilty of losing the love. But see, the pendulum doesn't swing back to then get rid of the topic. It teaches us instead to read the book Desire of Ages so that as we speak, there are tears in our voice. By the way, I love, I could talk to young people till I turn green in the face. Young people, read The Desire of Ages. Then when you're done, read the book Great Controversy. Then when you're done, read The Desire of Ages. And then when you're done, Great Controversy. Why? This is the hardest message to give the world, but it must be given. But if you're not going to give it in love, you're going to be just like our ancestors. Turning people off. And don't you know what the Bible teaches? 
And now the emerging church movement, which is making an impact even on the mainline churches and the evangelical churches, are teaching there is no absolute truth. Therefore, one, two, three, four, these should blow your mind. You can't see it. By the way, that background is an emerging church service. Candles, darkness, sitting at tables, darkness. You can't see the word feeling, spiritual feeling. Say the word feeling. Say it. Feeling. Thank you. And social action make up the only reliable substance of Christianity. Feeling. Are you starting to catch on to the plantings of the garden? What's going on right now is bearing fruit. It's starting to affect the Adventist church. Be careful, preacher, what you say up front. We do not want to offend the visitors. And by the way, we're having communion. But here, pastor, we don't wash feet. Why? It's embarrassing for people if they come to visit your church. But the Bible says, blessed is he that does what I did. The emerging church movement. All, all the mega church pastors, folks. Have you read Purpose Given Church? I hope you said no, because if you did, you've had infused in your mind Satan's communication. I, I'm, I could get into the names. You know, you got just get on your internet and you'll know more than I do because your minds are better mind. To capture a sacred what? Feeling. feeling we should reconnect with. And who is the ancient worship forms? The Roman Catholic Church. They better shake you to your very toes. The monks of the desert back in the third century A.D. And the mysticism that they practice in the monkeries in the in their desert uh, convents. No, convents are women. Are the monasteries. I got to be careful not to waste all the time on this, but you got to understand this. Therefore, the ultimate goal of the emerging church is to win people to Jesus Christ. It's to what? And what's Rick Warren going to do? He's going to eliminate hunger and poverty, right? Where did that come from? Because the ultimate goal of the church is to make the world a better place, not bring people to Jesus, who is the only one that can heal them. That means there's no atonement, folks. Do you understand what we're talking about here? Do you get the depth of these? And all of it is leading back to a particular church. And the evangelicals are leading the way. And Rob Bell, see his latest book, Rob Bell, There's No Hell? No bell. The guy in, in Michigan, Numa, he wrote a book, There's No Hell, and Adventists go, they don't realize that that's not what it means. It means everybody goes to heaven. Universal salvation. 
plantings in the garden. One of them is the emerging church movement, which is taking place. Look at this. Eastern religion. Oh, man. See, I apologize to you guys. Help me. Because on your handout that I was going to give you defined all those. Eastern religion are religions of India, China, Hindu, yeah. Plantings in the garden? Oh, they're not in the Christian church. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, yeah? The Adventists aren't being affected, are they? <laughs> Let me go on and I'll get to it. Meditation? Meditation is altering your state of mind by coming by emptying your mind so you can connect with the divine in yourself. Mantra, using a word or a phrase over and over to empty your mind so you can connect. By the way, transcendental meditation. Contemplative prayer is a type of prayer that they teach, that the mystics taught, that the monks practiced, in which you... Silence yourself by emptying your mind so you can connect with the, um, with the, in, in Eastern religion and New Age teaches with the divine inside of you. And uh, Desert Fathers are the ancients that lived in those monasteries and practiced these things. A new age means this is the age of Aquarius and now we can connect with the divinity within us. Remember, you shall be as gods. And finally, ancient wisdom is the uh, worship form and the mystical practices of the desert fathers. So why did I tell you that? Because let's take a look at contemplative prayer since mine is a prayer seminar. Oh, before I do that, let's check this out. Let me see, do I got the time? No, I don't. If you read this story, you, you all know this story, right? By the picture, okay? So let's look at the elements. Number one, they both came to worship. Number two, they both recognized the Sabbath. Number three, they both had an offering. Number four, they were both dressed the same way. Number five, they all came and had an altar. Number six, they had the same parents. Number seven, they were in the garden. But one of them took God's way and one of them took their own way. Okay, so plantings in the garden are bearing fruit now. And right away we see the example of sin leads us to go our own way. Yes, these other practices, Eastern religion, New Age, is now snuck into the churches and even affecting the Adventist church by their practices. Why? Because you cannot reach the postmodern people using the modern methods. We must radically change beliefs and teachings. And there are many, even of our pastors, that believe this, whether sincerely or not. So, let's take a look at spiritual formation. I took this off a website. This is called the Messiah's College. I forgot where it is now. And notice it says Christian spiritual formation. Now, why would it say Christian spiritual formation? 
Because evidently there must be a spiritual formation which isn't Christian. It is the practice of certain things in order to connect with God. And they call theirs Christian spiritual formation so that there's a distinction here. And by the way, when when the celebration churches, which some of you may not even know what that word means. <laughs> Maybe you're too young. It's tantamount today to the megachurches and the way they approach church. And they're trying to tell us that their method is the only thing that will pack your house. And that is that you find out what your people want and that's what you give them. And put a rock band up front because the people like that. Uh-huh. That comes, that comes out of this whole philosophy. We've got Adventist churches that put them band, their bands up there for the purpose of it's going to bring the people. You give them what they want. Bill Hybels has that outside his office on the wall. Find out who your client is, what your client wants, and give it to them. Since when does the secular mind set the stage for worship of the God of heaven. And so we're going to look at the definition first of spiritual formation because notice what it says. Is the growth and development of the whole person by an intentional focus on one's spiritual and interior life. Now, there's a flag that you probably wouldn't have picked up on interior life yourself you're going to read this and say hey this sounds great I like it alright two interaction with others in ordinary life three the spiritual practices prayer the study of scripture fasting simplicity solitude confession worship etc all good right except this idea of interior life let me show you. Since they believe that spiritual feeling and social action make up the only reliable substance of Christianity, and we must capture the sacred feeling, we should reconnect with the ancient worship forms. One of the ancient worship forms is contemplative prayer. It's called centering prayer. It's called breath prayer. It's called silence, etc. Going beyond thought by the use of repeated words or phrases to obtain a connection with the supernatural. And they say God, of course, and it's talking about interior science, uh, in, uh, silence, interior silence. This is what the it, TM, Eastern religion, New Age, and the Desert Fathers practiced. I turned to look at the company who were still bowed before the throne. They did not know that Jesus had left it. Satan appeared to be by the throne trying to carry on the work of God. I saw them look up to the throne and say, Father, Give us thy spirit. And who? 
who? Satan. Satan would then breathe on them an unholy influence. In it there was light and much power. Did you ever wonder how those monks and even the nuns, so to speak, could cloister themselves out in the wilderness and be satisfied year after year, it's because they were experiencing something supernatural by their practices. And the roots of those practices are New Age, Eastern religion, and they're now bringing that to the forefront of the Christian church. And people are practicing these methods of sitting in silence. And by the way, yoga. Yoga is all, I mean... Organization, corporation after corporation are teaching their people yoga. And yoga is this Eastern religion form. They teach them how to empty their mind, how to use a mantra. They're using it in the Christian church today. Prayer is communicating with God. You never empty your mind. You're always staying in contact with your thoughts. And when they wander, it isn't because you're not practicing the right method. It's because you need to bring it back. That's all. They say, oh, no, these distractions must be gotten rid of. So you have obtained silence so that you can connect with the divine inside of you, they say. But the ones that practice a Christian so that you can connect with God. And every single reference in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy is when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Nowhere does it say empty your mind. Nowhere does it say use a mantra. In fact, doesn't it say that you're not to repeat over and over again, phrases like the heathens do. And did God not know? I kept saying, why is that in there? Why is that when I first became a Christian? Makes no sense to me. And now I know why. It's happening right now. And he wanted to warn those that study their Bible and believe only in the Bible and spirit of prophecy. It's happening even in the church. Why? Because you really do connect. Satan gives you power, much power, and light. Does that blow your mind? And by the way, there's no divine in you. The divine is outside of us. We invite the Holy Spirit in, but we don't sit there and talk to the Holy Spirit inside of us. We're communicating with the God in heaven. And by the way, Paul says, through the Holy Spirit. Check this out. Satan would then breathe upon them holy in, an unholy influence. And by the way, who did they think they were praying to? God. See, you connect, can you make the connection there? They believe they're praying to God. Uh, this is Christian spiritual formation. By the way, this is Christian yoga. There is no such thing as Christian yoga. Oh, this is Christian transcendental meditation. There is no such thing as Christian transcendental meditation. Meditations where you take your Bible or your, your own memory and you go somewhere quiet and you think on, and you think on that. Oh, okay. And, and you focus on that. And through it, God speaks to us, but not silence. Okay. But, but no sweet love, joy, and peace. Did you get that? Light and much power, but no... 
sweet love, joy, and peace. Satan's object was to keep them deceived and to draw them back and deceive God's children. Now, listen to this. Great controversy, 518. To keep the people in, in, in darkness and in penitence until the Savior's mediation is over, ended, and there is no longer a sacrifice for sin is the object which he seeks to accomplish. Two things. To keep the people in darkness and from repenting. So what should the purpose of our existence be? To lift the darkness and to help people come to repentance before the Savior's mediation is ended, so there will be a sacrifice for sin for them. And then we got this. But the people who by faith followed Jesus into the most holy place, there I beheld Jesus, a great high priest, standing before the Father in the most holy place. Those who rose with Jesus would send up their faith, send up their faith to him in the holiest, praying, My Father, give us thy spirit. Notice. Father, give us thy spirit, they prayed. And now, the real saints say, My Father, give us thy spirit. Then Jesus would breathe upon them light, power, love, joy, and peace. See? And we must be satisfied with that. Why? Because the other one gets much power. Yeah, that's what keeps them coming. They actually experience something. And this is happening, young people. We're going to talk about prayer and you're getting... I want you to be aware of this when you run into it. I don't want you to be shocked or... Hor well, horrified always. Shocked? No. But I don't want you to get involved in it. Why? Show me in the Bible. You know the only text they can give me? Be still and know that I am God. You look it up in your Greek concord in your Hebrew concordance, in your Strong's concordance, and the word be still means cease. It doesn't mean empty your mind. It doesn't even come close to implying that. Be still and know that I am God. That's the only text, the main text, that they always give in defense of themselves. And the word means to cease from your activities. I don't want you emptying your mind. I want you to read every single absolute prayer in the Bible and spirit of prophecy and you will see none of them practicing silence or mantras or any of the Eastern religion, New Age. He planted in the garden. It's bearing fruit now and it's coming out in the church. Check this out. The brain nerves which communicate with the entire system are the what? Medium through which heaven can communicate to man and affect his inmost life. <sighs> Mark that one. Mark that down and go home and meditate on that. It's the brain nerves. You don't empty your mind. You're always in contact with your thoughts as you're, and when it when it, when it travels, your, your mind wanders. You just bring it back. You just bring it back. Do not enter. All right, I got something for the parents here. 
Let me see something here. By the way, transcendental meditation, I looked this up for you just so you see. Now, this is the extreme. They say we're not doing that, okay? But I want you to know that there isn't Christian transcendental meditation. It's impossible. But I want you to see this. A technique of meditation derived from Hindu Eastern religion traditions that promotes deep relaxation through the use of a mantra spirituality, new age, astrology, self-help, alternate belief system. A technique based on Hindu tradition, whoops, I already read that. Relaxes the mind and body through the silent repetition of a mantra disseminated by an international organization founded by Maharishi Yogi. And here's a famous person who practices it. And he levitates himself. I want you to see, I got this right off the internet. This is actual real. This isn't trickery. This is not Las Vegas magician. This stuff is really happening. And, and Christians are starting to practice some of these things. Why? Because... They're experiencing something. Don't you see? I'm, I'm begging you. There's something more important and powerful than experience. Okay? But experience is part of our life. But when it enters any area that's forbidden, then leave it alone. Because believe me, it says at first Eve went, oh, wow. And she gave some to her husband. And then after, they crashed. And they hid themselves because they were ashamed. So I didn't do spiritual warfare praying because I wanted you to be aware of what's coming or what's already here so that you will stay within the prayer found in the Bible and stay connected with God. And if anybody's getting mixed up in this, you can help bring them back. Okay, here's a quote for parents. And I use this because some of you young people here, I have this feeling, are one day going to have kids. It happens, you know. Before leaving the home for labor, all families should be called together and the father, father, hello, man. <laughs> the father or mother in the father's absence should Plead fervently with God to keep them through the day. Come in humility with a heart full of tenderness and with a sense of the temptations and dangers before yourselves and your children. By faith, bind them upon the altar, entreating for them the care of the Lord. By the way, how often is this? Ministering angels will then guard children who are thus dedicated to God. It is the duty of Christian parents, morning and evening, by the earnest prayer and persevering faith, to make a hedge about their children. First volume of the Testimony 397. Men, write that down. And women...
If you marry someone who doesn't understand that or know that, you're making a mistake. A big mistake. It happened because of prayer. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for challenging us. And Lord, I feel very feeble at the presentation I made. I want you to take these active, engaged minds that sincerely love you and get them to the internet themselves so they can read this and see that there's more information and maybe even explain better than I did so that they would be alert and aware and our church would stay faithful and strong for you. Bless each one, Lord. And if anybody has been deviating off into any of these areas, let them know that you still love them, but to come back now and not mess with it because you have a better way and a better method. So bless to this end and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.